Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Existence is pain. Life is torture. This is all meaningless. Um, and it's me, Ryan, uh, joined here by Sam and Alex. Thunder are drafting six. Six. Ryan, Ryan, enlighten me. What was the worst possible pick the Thunder could have ended up at? Seven. Seven. I mean, technically eight, but if they landed at eight, they got Houston at five. Right, so... Did we get Houston at five at least? Did we get no. that? No. Oh, man. Houston wow. gets to keep its pick. Um, just being rewarded for bad decisions. Um, along with Cleveland, who uh, are going to try and trade pick number three, I guess. Otherwise, they're going to draft like fucking Jalen Green and run Sexton, Garland, and Green and Ooh, not yeah. play defense. And... Ah, Jalen Green can probably play defense. No, he can't. Especially if you put him with Sexton and Garland. He'd be like, so, those guys aren't playing defense. Why am I gonna? So I guess I guess one of the things I'll say is that like technically speaking, this was the literal most likely scenario for tonight. Going in, the Thunder had an eighteen percent chance to get the number six pick only. And um, the, the disappointing aspect of it is, is that we had almost a 75% chance of landing at least one top five pick, and we did not get one. Um, so that's super, super disappointing. And, you know, the thing that frustrates me, and I know there's nothing that can really be done about it. I'm not one that, like, really thinks the lottery is rigged. But doesn't it seem like teams that are incompetent are always the ones that get lucky in these situations. Yeah, maybe it should be rigged. I, this, this yeah. was, that we'll was going to be my argument yeah. if Houston landed number one, is that either the lottery is rigged or it should be. Right, yeah. Maybe Honestly, maybe it, maybe it is rigged for the teams that make incompetent decisions to do well. So like that is how Adam Silver is de-incentivizing tanking. It's like, well, you know, okay, see, you know, they they did a by the books tank, you know, they tore it down, they let their young guys develop, they benched the good young guys, and then they tanked from there. Whereas, you know, Houston just, you know, traded a amalgam of picks for Russell Westbrook and then got nothing back for Russell Westbrook when they got rid of him and they just, you know, compounding bad decisions. Oh yeah, they they got it and they didn't even try for it. So that's you he know. traded for Victor Oladipo this year. Yep. Oh my God! They're gonna pick Evan Mobley, and they're not even gonna be good. No. No, it it really it, it sucks a lot because I mean obviously the best case scenario was picks one and five. You know, like that was a possible scenario, and I know we've all spent a lot of time kind of fantasizing how about how good these top four guys are. You know, and even number five with Kuminga, there's there's a lot of potential there. And to just not even have a chance to draft any of them, it really, really sucks. So um, the one thing I'll say is that, like, I do really genuinely like this draft overall. Like I do like I do think that there are players that are outside of that range that are going to wind up being really good. And we'll talk about some of them here. And, you know, it happens in every draft. Like, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was pick 11. You know, like, it 
you know, the, it's not unheard of for the Thunder to wind up getting an all-star type guy at number six. But, you know, the you look at the guys in the top four and it's like you would feel pretty good about their chances, um, about how this – I guess the, the road would just be a lot clearer if the, mm-hmm. if the Thunder had gotten the number – like the number four pick even. You know, like if they get Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green from this draft – you're like, okay, this is we have something to work with moving forward, you know. And the, you know, the process or whatever you want to call it might not be over, but it would we would feel pretty good about yeah. what's going on after one year. Yeah, and that's do, why do I you guys want to okay. hear um, the uh, history of the sixth pick. Um, is Johnny Flynn in there, or was he before that? Johnny Flynn was taken in. 2009 by the Timberwolves with pick six. Yep. Um, so last year, the Hawks drafted on Yeka Okongwu. Decent player. Uh, the year before that, the Timberwolves drafted Jarrett Culver. Oh, God. 2018, the Magic drafted Mo Bamba. Oh, 2017, Lord. the Magic drafted Jonathan Isaac. That's decent. Just one yeah. pick. Uh, 2016, Pelicans drafted Buddy. Ugh. Okay. Uh, I know it gets worse. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for I think 2011 is what I'm waiting for. In 2015, um, the Kings drafted Willie Cauley Stein. Oh, he plays in the NBA. Uh, 2014, the Celtics drafted Marcus Smart. Yeah. Um, in 2013, um, you had Nerlens Noel. Wait, is that right? It is. That is correct. 2012, Dame. Yes. Blazers drafted Dame at six. 2011. Yes. Here we go. Now, in 2011, the Wizards did draft Jan Vasily. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> and then in 2010, the Warriors drafted Ekpe Udo. Ooh, that one's oh, rough. Which, that one's bad, too. Yeah. So it seems like there was certainly a turning point along the way where you get a quality player. You can get you can easily get a quality player at six. I mean, I obviously trust Presti to get us a quality player at six, but it's just like, it's underwhelming like the the I chances mean, i think the thing the thing to think about this list is like the reason these guys like the a lot of these guys are bad because we know there were people drafted after them who were better right 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 and also a lot of the reason that some of these guys are in the league like i'm kind of looking at this with rose-colored glasses like yeah these guys are fine they still exist but a lot of the reason that those some of those guys still exist is because they were drafted at six and the nba like refuses to move right. on a lot of times so like those well, those picks would probably look worse if they weren't didn't have the draft capital that they had and how many of them are doing it for the team that drafted them right too? you know mm-hmm. like it's there it's pretty shaky and like even a good outcome for this pick would be a marcus smart level player mm-hmm. the thunder are not a marcus smart level player away from being a playoff team mm-hmm. you know what i mean like this so like obviously if you get dame at six, yeah, great. That's as good as it can go. And, you know, I'm not saying they can't do that, but, like, it's just incredibly unlikely. Um, so, yeah, it's just it, – there's no clear path forward. Like, it's one of those things where, like, now – you know, because ideally going into this situation, it's like, well, you know, if we wind up with two top five picks, we might just be able to move into a new phase of the process in terms of, you know, you start putting players around these guys that can help them to where you can kind of build a winning, winning habits, you know what I mean? But now 
I look at this and I'm like, we need to probably be bad again next year. And that's going to piss off Shea, who's mm-hmm. going to be going into an extension. Um, and the problem, too, is that how bad can we be with Shea? You know, like, I'm not one of those that thinks that the Thunder were actually, like, this borderline, you know, playoff team this year when they were really trying. Like, I, I do think that there was a lot of fluky results this year. But I'm also a believer in Shea, and I think that he's a really good player that's going to keep us from – really, you need to be in the bottom three, you know, like, to have mm-hmm. equal odds. And I wonder if we're capable of that with – because, I mean, we're going to add – a really talented player at six theoretically this year. Um, and so I, I just kind of wonder what, what the hell we do moving forward, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's kind of why six just getting the one pick is worst case scenario. Cause you know, obviously if you have two picks, that's better. If you have, Though even if you have the one pick, like we've said, after five there's a clear drop off. You're probably there are so many different outcomes where the the stage of the process we're in could have been many different ways. Like if you get two picks in the top five, you are a playoff team next year. You have Shea, you have Kimba possibly. You know, especially yeah. if you get number one. If you just got number one, if you had Shea, Kimba, and Cade, like that's easily a playoff team. You're, you're feeling great. Even if you have, you know, Suggs and Jalen Green, you're feeling pretty good. You know, Green's yeah. more developmental. Suggs, you think, can play right away. Like, you're feeling great about any of those. Even if you got five and seven. Like, I had posited the question to you guys before the draft. Would you rather have uh, the OKC pick end up at three and Houston gets number one and you have to suffer watching Houston get Cade? Would you rather have that or... Houston get five, we get their pick, and OKC end up at seven or eight, worst case scenario. And then even in that, you know, you you um, don't have you have the worst player out of that top five, and then you get like we've talked about, probably a decent player. But even then, you are increasing the chances that one of those guys turns into Dame. You're increasing the chances that you hit on you know that guy, even if it is just a role player. There still is with just one pick. There's the chance that that guy doesn't develop at all and with the one pick you need that guy for a stage of the process we want to be in next year you need that guy to have a competent level right away and having the one just the one pick takes away so many things that you could have done that just made your outcomes of next year unlimited now you are very limited just having this one pick Right. Well, and one thing that I, I was thinking about and, you know, because I my initial reaction with your question was, you know, I would rather have OKC get the third pick. Um, but, you know, then it kind of entered my mind. Yeah, it would be really painful to watch Houston get Cade. Also, if they get Cade, those picks that we have from them in the future are going to be less valuable. And my thought process being that if we wound up with five and seven. I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibilities that we would be able to trade up to four, you know, like depending like if Toronto, I got, I don't know exactly like how the situation would have worked out, but I think it would have been possible to trade up to four with those two picks. And then you wind up, maybe you get Jalen Suggs anyways, 
You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. and that is just not, I don't, I don't see us being able to like in a, there is a possible scenario. I think we could move up to five, but I don't necessarily, I wouldn't really want to do that to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not all that high on Kaminga. I mean, unless Suggs or somebody fell to five, then sure. Mm -hmm. But I'm not, I don't know. I'm a little, like, I think we're going to pick at six. Like, I think that's just how it's going to happen, you know? And um, so I do want to talk about, let's let's talk about real quick the the Al Horford trade, just because that's going to play a role in kind of what we talk about next in terms of who we, like the, we, because we now own this, the 16th pick in the draft. And you mentioned that we got Kimba. You know, we traded out Horford. And there's a couple things about this trade that, first of all, the timing of it was very odd. You know, you don't really see trades happen like that, that, you know, this early. Usually it's like the day before the draft or something. You know what I mean? But um, I guess it was just like Sam, they talked to him today and he was like, yeah, it's just kind of a no-brainer. You know, it like helped both teams and we were just like, yeah, we like the 16th pick. And so they kind of they just felt like it was a no brainer pick. And so one thing with that trade now that I I see with with us getting the sixth pick is that we need to do what we can to restore value for for Kemba Walker. You know, I thought if. We wound up getting another ball handler like a Jalen Suggs. I wouldn't really give a shit what we do with Kemba Walker. You know, like we could trade him for a second round pick and I wouldn't care. But I do think that we need to go ahead and just kind of try to pull the Al Horford thing, you know, and see if you can trade him on an expiring deal for for value, you know. And um, so that to me is one aspect of the trade. Another aspect of the trade that I thought was just hilarious was how little people know about Moses Brown. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Particularly now, Boston people. So Boston fans, all they saw of Moses Brown, uh, cause they didn't watch any of the Thunder games. Understandable because none of them were on television. Um, is, uh, that time he put up like 20 boards on them and a half. Right. Uh, so right. they think yeah. he's a monster. Yeah, so I bet um, a lot of them had him, you know, in their DraftKings and FanDuel lineups where he was pretty high priced and he put up some some great some stats, averaging 15 rebounds a game. Like that's awesome when you're betting money on him. Right. Yeah, but they don't realize that he's like he was probably the single biggest problem with OKC's defense at the beginning of the year that was re- or at the end of the season that was yeah. pretty terrible. Um, and like he's just. He's about as bad a defender as you could draw up for a 7-2 center. You know what I mean? He can't move on the perimeter at all. He tries to block every shot. Like, he's he is not a good defensive player. Um, he's not going to help Boston. Like, I saw people talking about, well, this is really more of just – you think of it as like a Kemba for Al swap, and then it's like we're trading 16 for Moses Brown. And that's not terrible value. Oh, yeah, that's like, awesome. Yeah, It's right? incredible. Moses Brown is worth – a second round pick at best in my eyes. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the jump to a first round is the fact that you're taking on what, like 10 million extra dollars for yeah. Kimba as opposed to Al Horford. Right. Yeah. You're taking on a little bit extra money, especially in the second year of that contract. And, you know, it's, it's just a silly thing to me that like people clearly, and I don't blame them for not watching the thunder, but I also kind of do blame them for not like, 
you know, at least like kind of look at what the Thunder fan reaction is, you know, because I, I feel like most Thunder people that I saw understood that this was like not a thing, you know, but obviously there are Thunder fans that were like, oh, we just lost our center of the future, but those people are not important. So no, those are not uh, intelligent. <laughs> right. So yeah, it, it it's an interesting trade, and I do I do really like getting pick sixteen. Another thing about this trade that I would just want to say, like people do need to stop acting like Sam Presti is some like wizard that tricks people into making like this is a fair trade. Like Boston has clear motive to make this deal. They're getting off money. Al Horford only has fourteen million dollars guaranteed in the second year of his contract, so they're actually getting off a lot of money with Kemba and they're getting a big that can help them and giving up the 16th pick for that is like fair value to me you know like this is you know if it were literally we traded them Al Horford and they traded us the 16th pick without giving up Kemba then yeah great obviously that would be like a magician trade for for Sam Presti but we're taking on a worse contract and what you get for that is a draft pick that's just basic that's how the NBA thing works. You yeah. know, like this is not some it's not a bad trade. It's a good trade. Sam Presti made a good trade, but it's not like he just swindled Boston into this like insane deal. You know, like no. that is definitely not what this is. So and I, I've, no, I've just heard think, people talk about that. and it, it, It's yeah. just annoying to me. I think the thing about it is that you look at it and it's not like he tricked Boston into making this trade, which this is a good trade for Boston, by the way. Um, it's just, you know, it speaks to his like clarity and his positioning of this team that he was able to take advantage of the fact that like Boston never should have let Horford walk in the first place and they probably shouldn't have ever signed Kimba. And like, we like were in a position where we were able to do them a solid and fix those mistakes and in the process gained you know, a first for trading for Horford and then a first for trading him away. Right. And that's one of the things that I feel like you can look at the way Sam Presti operates is that he does want to send these guys to places they want to go. You know, yeah. like maybe he could have gotten better value for Al Horford, but Al Horford wouldn't want to go to Sacramento. You know what I mean? But yeah. he gets to go to a place that he's comfortable. He gets to go to a place that he wanted to be. And everybody in this trade wins as a result. And I think that it's also important that, you know, the Thunder kind of maintain that idea that they are kind of player friendly when it comes to to these deals. You know, we're definitely we're definitely not operating like in a Sam Hinkie way in that regard, you know, where it was like players are not people. You know, I, I don't I don't think that we have that problem as a team. So. Um, I, which I think is an important aspect of of this whole process that we're going through. So, um, okay, so I do want to talk about some some guys at number six. We'll start there, and then we'll talk about sixteen and eighteen and what we can do. Um, so, who who do you guys like at number six? Um, I mean, I think the first person we got to talk about is Scotty Barnes. Um who's a high energy player who's um like a leader on the court who's a great defender who's like a a pretty good playmaker especially in transition and who cannot shoot the ball even a little bit goddamn 
wow, he can't shoot the ball at all. <laughs> yeah, Sam. Yeah, that's uh, pretty accurate on Scotty Barnes. Plus five, plus six, maybe wingspan. Um, pretty solid, kind of. Even coming out of high school was projected like, oh, that's a Sam Presti guy right there. You know, hope the Thunder right. are in a position to draft him. Um, just watching Scotty Barnes, it's less uh, kind of tantalizing to envision only getting him. Um, he's definitely a Thunder guy. Like Ryan said, cannot shoot the ball at all. Um, so that's not ideal. Don't like um, taking athletic guys from Montverde Academy that can't shoot the ball, as we've seen in the 2021 NBA playoffs. Not an ideal way to do things. Um, but, you know, maybe there's <laughs> something there. Yeah, to me, the deal with Scotty Barnes is I do really like him. And I, I think he's probably who I would pick at six. Um, but he was always a guy that was like, he's the second guy. You know, like I thought, you know, if we did wind up with Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Kate Cunningham, then maybe instead of Kaminga at five, you look at Scotty Barnes, you know, because he's like the perfect player to kind of bring everything together. Um, just do all the little things that help you win. Um, and he's also like a legitimate playmaker. You know, like he's not just this like defensive guy that can't do anything offensively. Like he handles the ball. He was kind of the point guard at Florida State this year. You know, I think he averaged like six assists a game. You know, so like he is a talented basketball player in a lot of ways. You know, shooting yeah. not necessarily being one of them. <laughs> Which is why, like, it was like, yeah, if you get Cade and then you can get a guy like Scotty Barnes, then that might just be, like, the perfect formula, you know? Because then you have, like, two offensive fulcrums and then you have this defensive monster that kind of brings everything together. It's very it's very Golden State Warriors kind of, you know what I mean? So, um, it, I like him a lot. Like, I, I think that one of the things that I've I've thought about with with Scotty Barnes is that like what if OKC just has the balls to make him just a center you know like I because a he's really big he's almost like I think he's six eight and he has a seven foot two and a half wingspan I think like it's pretty insane how long his arms are so he's got the standing reach and He's also, like, I think he has room to fill out to where he could be, like, this 6'8", 240, 245-pound guy, which I think is big enough to play center in the NBA. Um, I just wonder if, if the Thunder have what it, you know, really it would be, like, the first team in NBA history, well, other than maybe the Rockets, that, like, goes all in on, like, this guy is actually just going to be our center. You know, like, it's, we're not yeah. going to, you know, like, the Warriors have the death lineup, but they never start it. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if the Thunder have, you know, if they have what I get, I don't know what it takes or whatever to, to actually just make him a center, because then I think it's really interesting, you know, because you might then you're looking at like a four or five with him and Poku. Like, to me, that's an interesting combination, you know, because Poku mm -hmm. might be able to provide some weak side shot blocking. Yeah. And then you're just you're super long you're super mobile one through five scotty barnes can guard one through five like no question he can guard one through five um so that is that's really interesting to me so um but if you're gonna shoehorn him as a four 
then you're going to put a you're going to put a lot of pressure on yourself to find a center that can shoot, and that's yeah. tough. You know, because like you said, Scotty Barnes does not shoot it well. I don't think it's impossible that he ever like I think he can possibly develop as a shooter. Like I don't think he's like completely broken in that way. Um, like another Montverde guy that Sam was alluding to earlier, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in in what the Thunder would would look to do with with him positionally. Yeah, yeah, he's he's certainly an exciting player for mm-hmm. sure. Um, just for fun. Um, so with Scotty Barnes is sort of our first like obvious. We have to talk about Scotty Barnes if we're talking about picking at six. Um, Kevin O'Connor's draft board has him weirdly low. Um, so I just want to go through this and just very quickly, every player outside of the top five, Kevin O'Connor thinks will be picked before Scotty Barnes. Now, to be fair to Kevin, this is before the lottery was, uh, announced. So some of these, some of these mocks are maybe positional, uh, but we'll see. So uh, he had Scotty going at 11. Um, number 10, Corey Kispert. Yeah, uh, before no. the uh, NCAA championship, I probably would have agreed with him, but that was a pretty brutal look going against the above-averagely athletic Baylor team. Uh, yeah. Um, not, not if we, crazy if we draft Corey, Corey Kispert, Kispert it's over. Yeah, <laughs> We draft him at six. That's uh, that's brutal. If we, I mean, I still wouldn't mind taking the guy if, if, like I said, if we had two picks, if we had, you know, Cade and we were drafting again at eight or something, um, I still wouldn't mind Corey Kispert because the dude can stroke it and that is obviously valuable. But yeah, only coming away from the draft of Corey Kispert, that is a, uh, that would be brutal. All right. Uh, at number nine, Jalen Johnson. Um, Helm. ah, Duke. Helm. Yeah, that's that's how if Super you are a, a freshman from Duke and I don't even know remember your name off the top of my head, like that's uh not ideal for you. There've been Talk some about pretty back that can't shoot. Yeah. Okay. Um number 8, Alperin Shingun. Yeah, I don't like him more than Scotty Barnes. I don't yeah. I mean I kind of like him, but like I'm not I'm not taking him above Scotty Barnes. No way in the world. That's- Fair. Uh, Davion Mitchell. No, that's a dumb um, pick. Yeah, an- another guy player. that would be fine if you had two picks, but yeah, can't only good come pick. away with him. And Perfect. Keon Johnson. Out on um, Keon Johnson, very similar to Scotty Barnes. So um, I think that one's. He, yeah, Keon Johnson wouldn't be as. He's not as big, obviously. Um, doesn't have the. One through five ability. He is also very athletic, though. I think he yeah. could probably be a better shooter, but he shot very poorly last year at Tennessee. So, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So. So that was. Can I, was a, can I tell you who I like at number yeah, six? Let's, yeah. Let's see. Let's hear what our actual opinions are here. Okay. So, I think Scotty Barnes will be the front runner for me. Um, just because I do think that like he would bring a like a sense of uh, like a versatility to the lineup that we could kind of build with moving forward, you know, depending on however however the roster building turns out. I think Scotty Barnes can find a role on any team in the league. Um, 
the next guy I I like at number six is James Booknight because like I all like if you look through drafts, there's always guys that turn into all star caliber players or not well not necessarily always but usually there are all star caliber players that aren't necessarily taken where you would think all stars are drafted and so that's the kind of guy that I want to find at six and I think James Booknight has that potential. I wouldn't say that it's like this super likely proposition, but I do think that there is a world in which James Booknight turns into an all-star. Um, so he is a guy that I would probably have second behind Scotty Barnes. And then third, he's a little bit lower on most people's boards, but I really like Moses Moody. Oh, that was well. the guy. That's that who I was going to say. Um, Okay. Yeah, Moses Moody's another guy that, you know, if you if he's the only guy you're getting, it's a little tough. But I really, I like how he plays. I think we definitely could use some, like, straight offense on this team. Um, yeah. And that is exactly what Moses Moody is. Like, I think he could be a off-the-bench scorer. I think he can play alongside Shea. I would love to see him running the bench unit and just, like, kind of this year at Arkansas. He... He projects as a 3-and-D player, but this year at Arkansas, he got a lot of – he had a long leash, kind of do whatever he wanted. And if you know we're willing to let him do that with the second unit and just see how it works, I think it could end up working pretty well. I agree. And yeah. the reason why I like Moses Moody a lot is because, like Book Knight, like I think this is even less likely than with Book Knight, but I think there is a world in which Moses Moody becomes an all-star. And the reason why I say that is because Moses Moody has really high potential as a shooter. Um, he, sh- you know, his percentages weren't amazing, but I actually was kind of looking at a lot of his shots last night, like watching just clips of him, and so many of his shots were contested. <laughs> he took some heat checks, man. Yeah, like that. Like very rarely, like the spacing on that Arkansas team was just not conducive to getting a bunch of open shots. Like so, even when he would start. As an open guy, usually there was a guy closing out to him pretty close. So, like, he was taking a lot of contested shots. But beyond just his three-point shooting, I think he has the potential to be, like, a really good mid-range shooter. And one thing that I've noticed, like, that you just notice as you watch the best players in the league is that inevitably every one of them, besides James Harden, is just a killer in the mid-range. And I, you know, there's... The analytical thing people always talk oh the mid-range is not dead blah 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 and it it's not dead with the superstars that's for sure you know like guys like kevin durant live there Kawhi leonard but even chris middleton they live in the mid-range and so like to me i see a guy that has the potential already to score at two levels and so i think that there's something working there that he could become a three-level scorer and that's really interesting. He's also like, you know, he's six six. He has like a seven foot wingspan, so he has a lot of defensive potential. Also, like, it's not just like he's, you know, this straight scorer guy that's not going to give any anything on the other end. Like, he's really well built. I think he has a lot of of room in his frame to fill out to be about like six six, two hundred and twenty pounds. You know, so I really like that kind of archetype for a player, and. Like those those three guys are really the only guys that I'm I would be like okay yeah that's a great pick everybody else I'm kind of like oh that would that would kind of be a punch to the gut you know if we wound up with 
you know, Jalen Johnson at six or Davion Mitchell, it would just be like, mm-hmm. oh, God. You know, we went through this year for Davion Mitchell, you yeah. know. And that's, like, that's what yeah. sucks about being at six is, like, a lot. there's a lot of guys you like. I mean, Alex, I know you used to like Zaire Williams. I'm a fan of Zaire Williams, too. But at the kind of where he's at now, taking him at six is really high. And, you know, even Davion Mitchell, if you like him, taking him at six is really high for a role player or a guy that, you know, you're not confident on, like this high upside guy that might be might hit in three years like okc is not in a position to take one of those guys right now really so i mean you really gotta do your due diligence and try and toe that line where you're kind of getting the best of both worlds and it's there's not a lot of guys that are going to be at six where you can do that have you guys have you guys watched much james book night um i i kind of watched him a little bit throughout the year um because he had kind of been on the thunder's radar from some projections like from the athletic and whatnot throughout the year um obviously the the taste that sticks in your mouth is the game against maryland in the ncaa tournament where he's probably playing hurt um did not score efficiently the shot didn't look great um but we kind of talked about him in the dms a little bit ago if if the shot's there then you have a great player um you easily have a a starter quality player another guy that could run your bench unit the way that you know shay and dort kind of have the first unit locked down but also could play alongside those guys for sparing minutes i just i think he's gonna be a three-level scorer you Mm -hmm. know like he kind of already is he finishes well he shoots you know the mid-range fine you know his again his threes were all so contested you know like that was his role on UConn, like he was their guy on the perimeter. Like teams were paying attention to him and like he, I mean, he hit some like crazy, impressively hard shots during the season. You know, if you just go back, like if you watch James Booknight's highlights, you're going to come away thinking this dude's a star, you know, mm-hmm. and not that you should judge everything off of highlights. And I'm, I'm not doing that, but I just, I don't see other guys in this range that I feel the same way about. You know, like I don't think other guys in this range have shown real potential as a three-level scorer. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I do with Book Knight. He's also not a disaster defensively, like you might think he would be. You know, like he's got good positional size, six-five. He's got a plus wingspan, so like there is a lot of of potential there for him. You know, and so I'm I. If we took him over Scotty Barnes, like I think it's a perfectly justifiable pick in my mm-hmm. eyes, you know. And he's also kind of guy like wouldn't surprise me if he fell a little bit, you know. And so I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the thing is I, you know, it's not sexy to talk about, especially at this point of a rebuild. I would definitely wouldn't mind trading back just a couple picks and taking Book Knight, especially because you've seen the low end of the guy. And if you get that low end, like, yeah, he's probably playing in China in a couple of years. But, you know, that's that's worth the risk. Maybe at six. Um, I would say definitely at nine or so. So I, I like Book Knight a lot and think there's definitely a fit on this team as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just all about taking swings at this point. You know, mm-hmm. like we, you know, we got the sixth pick. So we have to try to find the guy that shouldn't have been drafted six. You right. Know? Like we have to find that guy. Otherwise, 
you know, then you're talking about a, a longer process than we were kind of hoping for, you know, and it's going to be a lot harder too, you know, if you don't find that guy. So it's, it's really hard to, you know, it, the, the night sucks. Like, honestly, like mm-hmm. it just really sucks. Like I was thinking like, man, you know, if we wind up with number three and get Jalen Suggs and then like we've got 16 and 18, then we could trade up to get a Moses Moody to get a James book night type guy. If we really right. want to, you know what I mean? But like, God, it, this is the, yeah, it's the worst, the worst case, worst case, second worst case scenario, I guess is what at least, at least we have the pick of the second tier of guys. You know, we get to pick whoever we want of the second tier of guys. At least we have that luxury given to us. So the thing is to be pessimistic one last time, Sam Presti, like, if even if he got the second pick of the this second tier guys, like, he was gonna get of this tier, he was gonna get his guy at six or seven, you would think. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say this is worst case scenario. We we don't have to beat around the bush. I think that's fine to say. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, technically speaking, worse, <laughs> I guess is what I'm I'm going for. You, but. Alex, you are you are allowed to be pessimistic. You you. This is what you do all the time. You don't have to give technicalities. Right. You're a full Spike Eskin. You can be pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm if I'm gonna fire off like a take, like send the franchise back to Seattle. What's the point? <laughs> yeah. Well, or trade Shay. You know, trade Shay right. and get up into the top five. Yeah. You know, get trade Shay to Detroit. You know, you know, their GM. I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, you, uh, Troy, you, Troy, Weaver? Troy Weaver. You know, Troy Weaver would would take Shay instead of Cade. I bet he would. Yeah. Just straight up swap. Yeah. Shay for Cade. Let's do how, it. Uh, how uh, quickly can you trade Kimba? Man, I like I said, like, I, I think you have to try to get value for him at this point yeah you know i mean yeah that's the thing is like do people value him based on what they just saw or what they think kimba could be because i think like you know toronto your uh, old point guard probably could be at the door kimba stepping in there for kyle lowry looks pretty tasty well it's just if there weren't health concerns like i don't even think boston would have made this deal yeah Which makes me think that Boston knows he's not ever going to be healthy again. Yeah. You know, because that's what they did with Isaiah Thomas. And I know it's a different guy pulling the strings. But, like, you know, that concerns me a little bit. Hopefully it's, you know, they just needed a big and, you know, they wanted to save money and give himself more flexibility. But, like, I do think that that's, that's something to monitor. But if Kimba can stay healthy, he's worth something. He's worth a first round pick. Yeah. You know, he's worth the 16th pick in next year's draft easily yeah. if he is something because he'll also be a, an expiring contract. So, like, it's I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Like, if I part of me wonders if they kind of do the Danny Green thing where they trade him before he ever gets here or if they yeah. they bring him in and have him. I, I just don't know where his value is right now. I mean, I, I think, uh, yeah, it depends, you know, who the GM is that you're working with. Yeah, Masai Ujiri, you're definitely not going to, you know, if if there's injury concerns on Kimba, you're not going to, like, pull that over on Masai's. You're not going to pull that one over on him. Um, Trading him, trading the Bronx boy to his his hometown team 
in Madison Square Garden to replace the likes of Derrick Rose, yeah, uh, right. Alfred Payton, and uh, who else did they have playing point guard for him this year? That uh, looks pretty tasty to send him to the Knicks, and you know they they're going to be wanting to compete now that they've had a taste of it. Their you know their picks yeah. aren't as good as they would have been two years ago, but you know you could get a first round pick for Kimba from them, I think. Yeah. Also, campaign just swatted the shit out of a boogie shot. By the way, folks. Like what a he, time. He like boogie was going up for a layup, and campaign just swatted it and like kind of stared him down a little bit. So just the the resurrection of campaign. It's it's truly fascinating to watch. But um, okay. So I I like the idea of sending Kemba to the Knicks, and like you know. Maybe they maybe they're willing to do it, you know. And if you can get just a first round pick from the Knicks, like that's probably going to be a pretty good pick, you know. So I would I would love to see that. I doubt they'll be able to do it by draft night because I think the Knicks will want to see what they can do other otherwise, you know, because they do have a lot of cap room. Yeah, um, so. they have uh, the most projected cap room in the league next year. Right. So I think they're going to want to see what they can do with that cap room. But maybe if they strike out, you know, the Tibbs will want some somebody that can run the point, you know. So that's that's interesting to think about. Um, but if not, you know, play him, I guess, you know, and be very, very careful with his health. Sit him quite a bit, you know, just make sure he looks good and then. When he's on an expiring deal, or maybe by the deadline, you can you can trade him next season. So mm-hmm. I think that would be ideal. But I would love to see them be able to deal him before. You know, like I would, I really don't have much need to watch Kimball Walker play in Oklahoma City. Yeah, um, I agree. But yeah, do we want to want to talk about picks sixteen and eighteen now? And what? First of all, like, what do you guys think we should do? Should we take both picks or like what? What do you guys think? Um, kind of depends what you do with six, right? Like if you uh, you know take whoever you think is the most upside, whether it's you know Keon Johnson or uh, Scotty Barnes, if you think you know he's gonna be a guy that's you know a couple of years away or something, then yeah, I think you probably keep both sixteen and eighteen and try and get one, just at least one solid guy. Maybe they stash the other one. Um, depending yeah. on who else there, maybe if you know Kispert falls to 16, you take Shut Kispert up. at 16. Stop it's it. 16 for Corey Kispert. That is Stop fine. It. Nope. Don't Corey do Kispert's it. better than Ty Jerome. I don't care. I don't want to watch Corey Kispert. He's he's not clutch at all. He choked in the Final Four last oh, year. Oh Totally out. Um, totally yeah, out. I mean, there's, there's other guys like Chris Duarte. I think Chris Duarte would be awesome with one of those picks. That's the kind of guy that he would be the oldest player on the team. Yeah, exactly. That'd be great. <laughs> totally out. Totally out. <laughs> That'd be out great to this. do with one of the, with one of those uh, three picks. Like you know, like we said, we kind of you want to be competitive a little bit next year. You can't bottom out completely like you did this year. Like that's going to be pretty brutal. As you know, as much as we want to treat this like 2K, and that's the best move for the franchise going forward. Like you said, you can't you can't be Bob Volgaris. These are human emotions you're playing with, and Shea's yeah. going to want a competitive team around him. I think. Uh, Chris Duarte or like Ayodesunmu, um, an old guy, maybe Jared Butler, like an older veteran that's shown some stuff in college basketball. You're 
pretty sure on what the high end is, and it's not super high, but um, you like the guy and you like the fit on the team. Um, I'd like to see one of those three guys probably at that pick, Duarte okay. soon or one of those picks, Duarte Dasunmu or uh, Jared Butler. What about you, Ryan? Um, I think it's um. I mean, there's so many things you can do when you have 16 and 18. Um, I think, like, one thing that makes a lot of sense is um, if there's a guy you like and he's available at, like, 12, you should you package them and trade up. Like, if you really believe in... Um, yeah, like, I mean, like, imagine that Moses Moody is still on the board at 12, you, you know, and you can get Scotty and Moses. Like, you do that. Um, yeah. Or maybe you really believe in, like, Josh Giddy or whatever, and you think that he won't be there at 16. Um, uh, but the other thing you can do is, you know, pick pick out the spots, just whoever's available. Um, there's so much flexibility in this range yeah. that, um, yeah, I don't know if you take two guys or one guy, and I don't know uh, where you take it. I don't know if you trade these two and Kemba somewhere somebody else yeah i honestly think i like 16 and 18 better for the value you're gonna get there than i like six like i I actually agree with that yeah like it's probably wrong like yeah um i i would wouldn't mind you know trading six away and if you're not confident you know like we said it's a second tier guy maybe if you're presty you think it's a third tier guy when you get there um and then 16 and 18 you can take a swing on Zaire Williams, and you can take a swing on a solid guy like um, one of the guys I mentioned before, and then you know you did something with six, whether it was um, trade, I don't know, trade it for a, an existing player, whatever yeah. you do with it. I mean, there you trade back a bit and you take a a stash guy, um, whatever you right. do with it. There's there's a lot of options at least. So yeah. I have a dumb idea. Please. Um, well, I, I think this is an interesting idea because I don't think um, – I think there's a degree to which one half of this – I've got a trade proposal. And I think one half of it's a complete question mark. But this to me feels close to okay. Uh, Kemba and six for Ben Simmons. I wouldn't I – don't, I don't want that, to be honest with you. Like You don't want that for OKC. For OKC. You'd yeah, rather have Scotty? I get that. So here's my thing with with Ben Simmons, and you know I, I definitely want to talk about him because he's it's just kind of wild to talk about. But to me, Oklahoma City is not the kind of team that should trade for Ben Simmons because I mean I think we know enough about Ben Simmons's personality that like he is I don't think he'd be wild about going to Oklahoma City first of all, and like. I don't think we – it would also just completely accelerate our timeline. It would go from, you know, we have we have Shea. Now we have Ben Simmons with, like, three or four years left on his contract only. You know what I mean? And so then, like, when you have Simmons and Shea, then it's like, okay, you're all in. Then you've got you to gotta start winning. And I don't want to do that, to be honest with you. You know, That's I'm fair. not – I think that that would be rushed and I don't I also don't think Ben Simmons would be crazy about coming here in the first place, you know. Yeah. So like the teams like you know, like I think that it would make and that this might be counterintuitive, but I actually think it would make a lot of sense for like a Lakers type team to pick up Ben Simmons. 
a team with other actual stars that can like kind of create for Ben Simmons rather than have Ben Simmons be like this total primary creator. You know, no, I, mean? I agree with that. And the thing I was originally thinking of was um, if we landed one in five, Kemba and five for Ben Simmons. Yeah. See, completely different. Like if we had Cade, I would be open to it because then Ben Simmons is like essentially the role that you I envisioned for Scotty Barnes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like then you can just roll with him being the glue guy and you don't necessarily need offense from him, you know. And so that is that's interesting. But since that's not where we are, mm-hmm. then I'm, I'm 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 out on the idea. Like I don't I don't want Ben Simmons in Oklahoma City. Um, I, yeah, I do. Wait. What you yeah, just said is exactly what um, exactly a conversation I had with someone at work yesterday, just about the fit. And if you have Cade, then yeah, Ben Simmons is great. If you don't, like, what's the point? Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's exactly. Right. Yeah, because if you um, have Cade, then theoretically, like, yeah, you really might be a couple years away from being a contender. You know, like you might be. Like it, it could really wind up being a, a really good fit. But like without that, like super duper star you got problems in my opinion if if ben simmons is your second best player you have problems as we have seen yeah yeah um how about a ben simmons um going to be a i would say third best player in oakland california for the warriors yeah i think that's what's gonna happen who are they gonna trade i don't know that's what i'm looking at that's that's the only reason why i mean they have seven and 14 so yeah, they have, but like you've got some picks, but you can't, can't trade Wiseman. It's it sucks for them that they picked Wiseman last year. So, you know, if they had, um, I guess they like if they had Lamelo, I mean Lamelo, and I guess you probably would rather have Lamelo at this point. So right, um, <laughs> but yeah, it sucks that they have a center. It was the pick that they yeah. got last year because they could easily you know, trade last year's guy, and um, you know their picks this year. And I think Ben Simmons with Steph and Clay, like that'd be awesome. Um, I don't know. They'll they'll find a way to make it happen. How, how miserable do you think? Um, how miserable do you think Joel would be uh, if he ended up with Wiggins? I I think Wiggins would be a better fit. How miserable I mean, would Daryl Morey be? He literally can shoot a basketball, Wiggins. and in that sense, is a better fit with Joel. Yeah. Like I I don't like I've. From I mean I've seen people talk about the Warriors probably wouldn't be willing to trade Andrew Wiggins for Ben Simmons, which seems insane. But yeah. like I think they actually really like Andrew Wiggins. I mean you know? here's the thing I don't hate Andrew Wiggins either. I hate Andrew Wiggins for a max contract. I hate Andrew Wiggins right. as your yeah. guy. But yeah I I wouldn't necessarily hate Andrew Wiggins in Philly. Um, right. Yeah I mean I think there's something to be done there i would certainly like ben simmons more so yeah, yeah I, mean, I think that seems like something you know if i would like ben simmons more if i'm golden state i might like andrew wiggins and but, you know, okay, okay 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 real quick real quick ben simmons and draymond though oh that's bad draymond draymond's done i don't know i mean that's good defense i guess if you it's have good, no draymond would kill ben he would die ben would die but, like just there basketball wise like they're too theoretically yeah. they're similar right like i don't yeah i mean they are two guys who you absolutely only need one of um yeah i don't know i i I think if stephen clay are healthy then 
Draymond yeah. and Ben Simmons could work together. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Steph and Clay, Steph and Clay are on the court, um, you know, your space there's a lot seem to work there, out. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot to get away with. They played a lot of Steph. They played a lot of Draymond and Bogut. Um, so, and actually, like an actual Australian basketball player. I don't want to be mean to Andrew Bogut. Um, but he was like, that was the end of his career. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really interested. I think that Portland makes sense for, because I think he's, you know, theoretically him running pick and rolls with Dame could work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gives them like the first good wing defender they've ever had with Dame, which would be interesting. Um, Okay, just throw Al Farouk Aminu over to the side. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I will throw Al Farouk Aminu <laughs> to the side. Thank you. How dare you disrespect Mo Harkless, asshole. Oh, remember remember Headband Mo? Ugh. They threw that all away. Um, they had too yeah. many mediocre wings and decided they would rather have no wings at all. Right. Yeah, it, pretty wild. But at, least, at least at that point, you your problem is easy to recognize. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But before it was like, what's the deal? We have Al Farouk Aminu and Mo Harkless. We should be in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. No, it was. Um, those Portland like teams were always super fake. Yeah. God. I like the fit of Dame and uh, Covington, Norm Powell. Yeah, it makes sense to me. In there, it's not bad. Yeah, that that's the one that makes the most sense to me. It's like either I think that's going to happen, or Philly's going to keep him. And then they're going to wind up having to trade him to the Lakers because they're going to be the only team that wants him because he might come back and not look even better, like, or not look better. And so that, I I don't know. So part part of me just thinks that Ben Simmons is going to wind up on the Lakers, and then the Lakers are going to have to figure out how to play basketball with LeBron, Ben Simmons, and Anthony Davis. But uh, maybe that's that'll just, that'll be some of the ugliest basketball, and it'll work. Like it they'll win because when you have those yeah. talents, it'll you'll win. But yeah, God, that's that's <laughs> and defensively, fun. it's just like insanely. Yeah, it's astonishing, especially with Drummond on the court. Stop that! Stop that! No! 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 no. No, no, Adil, Adil finally come to his senses and want to play the five, and then they'll. I say Drummond, five. Drummond can't play alongside three other centers in LeBron and Ben Simmons and AD. <laughs> you already have three centers on the court. You have three centers. Yeah. God. But hear me out here, LeBron, Ben Simmons, Kuzma, AD, Drummond. It's a starting five. It's perfect. Everybody's happy. <laughs> Yeah, everybody except for the people that have to watch them play. Did, happy. Uh, did uh, Kuzma and Ben Simmons, they dated the same Jenner, right? I don't think that yeah, you're going you're gonna, gonna to have to trade Kuzma for Ben so they, can, they can't right. be on the same team. Yeah, I think it was, was it Kendall? I think it's Kendall, the one that's currently dating that Booker. Devin Booker, right? Yeah, so clearly she's not cursed because he's doing just fine. Like she only dates basketball players. I yeah. Think. And the other one only dates rappers, I think, is how it goes. But yeah, she, uh, Kylie, she's the one that has the kid with Travis Scott. Um, right. I'm not sure who else right. has been in her past, but yeah. yeah, they both have a type. Yep. All right, so let, let's let's get back to the Thunder with 16 and 18, and just what I I would say is my like ideal scenario is. Drafting Scotty Barnes at six and then packaging 16 and 18 
to possibly move up to like 12 and get either Moses Moody or James Booknight. I don't know if they could get high enough. Like I, I think it's possible that like to me, I look at Moses Moody and I don't know how he goes past like eight. You know, he's like a he's at like the floor is a three and D wing. Like, why wouldn't you draft that guy? Mm-hmm. But you see a stock and it's all over the place. Like some yeah. places have him at like 18, you know, so like. But to me, if you can wind up getting one of those guys that I think could on a low percentage wind up being all star type guys and Scotty Barnes, then I think it's interesting. You know, like if you have Shea, Dort, Moses Moody, Poku and Scotty Barnes, like that's an interesting lineup. You know, like I don't hate that. Um, It's not what we wanted, but it's it's interesting enough. So. Um, that would be ideal. If not, if you're at 16 and 18 and those guys are gone, then I'm just I'm taking both picks and I'm swinging, swinging for the fences. Zaire yeah. Williams, I'm t- like I Kai Jones, like swing with one of those guys and you know see what can happen. I don't I don't want one of the older older guys that like Duarte. I don't have mm-hmm. interest in him because. He's old. Like, I just – I don't care about – I don't want the team to be good next year if that's what we wind up having. You know what I mean? So, like, if you wind up drafting Barnes, probably he's really going to tank your offense next year. And he's probably not going to be a great defender because rookies are generally not great defenders. And then if you have Zaire Williams and Kai Jones at 16 and 18 or something like that, like, those guys are not going to be good next year. And you can just play them a ton of minutes and lose games. You know, it'll be more fun because you have more interesting young players than we did this year. But like, I think that's probably what we need to do at this point. Yeah. If, if Shay, if your players are basketball robots and they don't care about how the team is next year, then I'm with you. If I think you got to do, you got to feel out Shay's mindset and see what he's cool with. Um, honestly, like, I think you're at a point where he's not he's not in a, a level where he gets to call the shots, like he gets to yeah. influence decisions. But I certainly think you have to take his feelings into consideration, and that's that's what the small market teams have to do. You have to, right. I mean, all the goodwill that Sam Presti has given to Chris Paul and Al Horford when he trades them to a favorable situation, like you you want and all it takes is one snubbing of a guy to completely ruin any momentum a small market team has so yeah i'm with you if if shay's cool with it if he wants another year like this year where he's gonna go out and play half the year and get you know a shitload of money to not play a whole lot of basketball um you know some guys that sounds pretty cool to me uh personally it might sound pretty cool to him to do again um so if that is then yeah i think um down there i'm fine taking kai jones you know we're kind of out on centers, but Kai Jones is a pretty good one. I think he'll probably be gone by then. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that that's possible. Yeah, but yeah, if, if Shea's cool with it, you swing for the fences. I would definitely, like if you're taking just a scoring type down there, I like Cam Thomas from LSU a lot more than, uh, say, like Jared Butler from right. Baylor. I think Cam Thomas is kind of same. Smaller guard, just a score, but he has higher upside than one of the old guys does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if if Shay's like, nah, man, I want to win and I want my contract, and I want to be back in the playoffs soon. 
that I think with one of those picks, you got to get um, a vet that is ready to go now, like a Duarte or a Desunmu. Here's my thought about that. Um, and if, like, this is the degree to which, like, this draft result, this lottery result really does put the Thunder in a difficult position. I think if Shea says, like, hey, I'm not going to be happy unless we start making moves so that we're in the playoffs next year. This team doesn't make the conference finals with Shea on its roster. Oh, I see what you mean. You you don't think they'll ever be a conference no. final team? No, oh, yeah, they'll yeah. max out too quickly, and they'll yeah. end up as a first-round exit team. And if they do if they do make the conference finals, it'll be like the Hawks making it this year, and they... Mm-hmm. Which won't ever happen in the West, so that's not even really worth discussing. So, but yeah, I to me, if Shea is really pushy about it, then trade him. Yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't think tr- uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is worth giving up your process for. He's not Luca. You know, like I, I personally, I, I was surprised that Atlanta did it for Trey. You know, maybe he is Trey, but Trey's not ever going to win in Atlanta, you know, um, or probably not. Like they're if they if they wind up getting like a free agent or something at some point, maybe. But like from what they have in the core they have built, they're not ever going to win anything with that. They're probably never going to make the Eastern Conference Finals again, you know. And so with Shea, with you being in the in the West and the fact that you have no hope of ever adding a free agent to him. Like I, you know, if you're, if you don't want to be part of the deal, then great. Like we'll trade you and get really good value for you, you know? And I don't, I wouldn't, you know, I would be sad to see Shay leave and it would suck to lose him, but like, yeah, he's not, he's not worth altering your course for, in my opinion. So, no, um, um, with regard, so my thoughts with 16 and 18, um, Sort of, you know, I think, like I said, like drafting Barnes at six and then seeing if one of uh, Moody or uh, Book Knight falls into a place where you could conceivably trade up to get him. That's like ideal. Um, If you don't think that's going to happen, maybe you draft one of those guys at six or, you know, maybe you trade down uh, Mm -hmm. and draft one of those guys at seven or eight. Uh, And then with uh, you can get like Zaire Williams at 16 and then with 18, get a player like Usman Garuba, who I really like. And I think um, I would be interested in seeing him use the way we were proposing to use Scotty Barnes. Um, Right. It's a role he's sort of already playing in Europe. Um, I think Scotty Barnes has every chance of being better than him at it. Yeah. Um, but it's a different thing than he's done at Florida well, State because, like we said, he's basically the point guard at right. Florida State. Right. Yeah. Scotty. Scotty has a completely different offensive skill set. Defensively, yeah. sure, they could be pretty similar. Um, but Garuba doesn't have the ball handling. He doesn't have doesn't have much offensively, to be honest. But I've, I've, I've seen some relatively impressive passes. Uh, yeah. From him, but yeah, but it's all like big man passes, you know. It's yeah. not like he's running a pick and roll or anything. No. So the thing, the the reason why I said Kai Jones and not Usman Garuba, and I I like Garuba a lot too, is you know if you if you get Scotty at six, Kai Jones 
the fully idealized version of Kai Jones is the absolute perfect fit to play with Scotty Barnes if you're not going to play him as a center. Because yeah. Kai Jones is also a guy that can switch probably in an idealized situation, can guard one through five, can shoot it, can protect the rim. There's a low percentage chance that he gets there, but that yeah. is his ceiling. You know, like he has an extremely high one. Um, which so and to me that's what it's about. Take your take your shot. Swing. You know, the one guy I would say I'm not willing to swing on is Jalen Johnson. I just do not <laughs> like him. I don't like anything about him, to be honest with you. Like I mean I don't know him like personally, but like his game. I don't like his game. I don't think it's a good fit. He's not a shooter. His I think his passing is a little bit overrated and so I'm out. People are going to talk about him as an upside swing, and I just don't see it. But that's just that's just me. All right. So can we can we talk just a little bit about current NBA basketball? Sure. Do that. <laughs> and because I just have a couple things that I just want to get out there, you know, because I've been thinking about this, you know, as I watch these playoffs, you know, progress. And one thing that I, I get really annoyed by is, like, I don't think that the opinions about players this season should s- super change based on ha- what is happening in the playoffs. Like, I don't think that your, our opinion of Giannis not being a number one guy on a championship team should really change, even if they win the championship this year, because I just don't think that this is a real season in that regard you know like they were going to lose to the nets in five games if Kyrie didn't get hurt you know yeah. so why why would we change our entire opinion about Giannis as a player because he beat a hobbled Brooklyn Nets team you know and then goes on and wins the finals against maybe the Suns like why would our opinion of him completely change and like the role that we think he can fill would change based on this season. I just don't see that at all. Now I'm not saying that the championship he would win this year would be invalid. I absolutely would not say that, but you're extremely pro COVID championships. So absolutely. I'm pro COVID championships, but my opinion of Giannis is not going to be like entirely different and like i'm I'm not going to go into next season thinking milwaukee's this real contender now because they won the championship this year you know i'm going to go into next season thinking it's probably the nets lakers and clippers because that's who it was this year to me you know and so that to me is is one thing i do have one exception to this rule and that his name is rudy gobert um i this guy like this guy can't win any more defensive player of the year awards like has to be done like there has to be some common sense put into the voting for these awards and i know that they're regular season awards but you can't give defensive player of the year for a fourth time after what just happened to him terrence Mann scored almost 40 points and was like the main reason why the clippers beat the jazz out of the playoffs you know and it was because rudy gobert couldn't guard him like that's so like to me that has to change like you have to there has to be some kind of consideration of like okay he's maybe the best regular season defender or whatever 
but we know he's going to get played off the court or he's going to be put in a position in the playoffs that he's going to be a liability. We can't give him the award for best defender in the NBA. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think Rudy Gobert has uh, really established a niche in the league as the guy who probably makes your life most difficult in the regular season uh, from a defensive standpoint. Uh, but that's what all he does. Um, this Every year. Every year this happens with the Jazz. Um, is It just turns out, oh, they're built around a player who can't play playoff defense. Like, who can't. Who will be mercilessly hunted on the perimeter um, and teams can go small against him with absolutely no repercussion because he can't do anything on the, to them on the other end, which is to me the bigger problem. Yeah, no, I, I totally think that is like, you know, like you're seeing DeAndre Ayton be way more effective offensively. Like Rudy Gobert, they weren't even looking for him to score when Luke Kennard was on him, Yeah, you know, like, so yes, it was an offensive problem that created his defensive issue, like, honestly, because if he could score and really punish them, they wouldn't be able to play the way they played. But I think that has to factor into it. Like, if you are the reason that you struggle defensively because you can't post up a six-foot-one guy, then that sucks. Like, you're not a very good basketball player, you know? So, like, like I, I am extremely glad I'm not a Utah Jazz fan. I would... It would be horrible right now, almost as bad as your team getting the sixth pick in the draft. But um, yeah, uh, what like, I what I don't get is why why do we let them get away with this during the regular season? Why don't people just go small on them more in the regular season and just make them have a worse record? Like Utah did not deserve to no. be fifty two and twenty this year. Their fans don't deserve that. Why? Like, no. do you really like? Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is kind of scary to see in the playoffs. So why? Why do you want them to have a good record? Just like, yeah, I get that, you know, playing small might not be how you're going to play the other, you know, 68 games of your season or, you know, 78 in regular season. Like, that's not going to be how you do it. You don't want to change up just for a couple games in regular season. But why not? Like, just expose this for what I mean. Maybe you do want them in the playoffs. Maybe you want them yeah. in the playoffs because, you know, you can't expose them. So yeah. maybe that's the reason why. Maybe, you know, the Clippers yeah. tank the end of the season. <laughs> So they could get this matchup against the Jets. So maybe that's the galaxy brain behind doing it during the regular season. But yeah. And also, I mean, it's hard. Um, It is more effort. Um, And that's, yeah, that's, you know, when you play small, it's more like you are more, (laughs) it's more physically taxing to play small uh, against a big team. And, you know, if you play the Jazz, I mean, how many times did the Clippers play the Jazz this year? Three times? Yeah. Hold on, real quick. Didn't Houston, like, sweep the Jazz last year? Like, uh, am I imagining? I feel like they beat the Jazz without James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I think Eric Gordon had, like, 50 on them last year, and it was because they were playing small, and it just completely exposed them. Yeah. So, like... Yeah, like the Jazz couldn't make the West Finals against the Clippers without Yeah, and in 20, 2019, the last real season, they lost in five to the Rockets. Right. Well, and I'm talking about last regular season. Oh, like, I, I feel like you. there was I feel like there was a regular season game where the Rockets didn't have any of their guys, 
and Eric Gordon just went off on them and they just embarrassed the jazz, you know? And like, it's just like, what an embarrass, like real, honestly, like that so is looked, the kind yeah. of, yeah. it looks like, um, last season, um, they went one and two against the Rockets. Um, let's right. see. Okay. Um, No, they had. Yeah, I know. I'm. (laughs) Well, and I think the Suns swept them this year. I think they were three and zero because the Suns have the guys that can just pull up against drop coverage every single time. Devin Booker and Chris Paul, like it. It's such a clear disadvantage, and I I do think that there is a certain amount of like. NBA teams just know that they're going to be able to beat them in the playoffs. So they're not really worried about them. Like I know for like, you could look at like Reggie Jackson sizing up Rudy Gobert. They do not respect that guy at all. You know, like it's just, it's fairly obvious. And in Utah, the way they're built too, it's like they don't have any athletic wings at all. Like they were getting beat off the dribble every possession by average players and that was causing Rudy to have to rotate. And then that was causing the rotations. And then they would just get open threes, you know, like it, it was pretty pathetic to watch in all honesty. Like, you know, Utah's a great shooting team. Offensively, they are a good basketball team, I'm not arguing they aren't, but like, God, the biggest games, they're just the most flawed team in the NBA. I think, I think more flawed than Philly, more flawed than than these other teams that I've been calling kind of fraudulent anyways. Like, the Jazz are, like, the ultimate frauds to me. And I really like Donovan Mitchell. Like, I think he's, like, a bona fide star player. Like, I think he's really good. You know, he plays better in the playoffs, which is just super impressive. Um, But, yeah, he's kind of – there's going to be – let's just say there's going to be free Donovan Mitchell tweets probably starting next year. Yeah. Uh, because he's going to be on a, a Utah Jazz team that everyone knows is fake. So, but yeah. So like, yeah, yeah these you playoffs. Lost, you last year, real quick, you had uh, Daniel House dropping 21, Austin Rivers 21, Eric Gordon 50 points on the Utah Jazz full strength to win 126, yeah. 117 over the Jazz. So you were yeah, correct. Yeah, it's out. just, yeah, like, it's just pathetic. Like, you know, don't. Like you can't look at them as a real contender ever, you know, and I like I'm not even talking championship contender. I'm talking like Western Conference finals contender. They're just not good enough, you know, and like I I, I remember, you know, thinking like because the Lakers were a team that had a chance to match up with them. And I was like, oh, yeah, we would the Lakers would win that easily, you know, because they don't have they don't have the wing defenders to guard LeBron. They don't have the guys to guard Anthony Davis like they don't have those guys. And they're just, it was, it was crazy to watch. Like I was rooting for, I wanted them to beat the Clippers cause I hate the Clippers, but like at a certain point it just became kind of fun to make fun of how pathetic the jazz were, to be honest. But yeah. Any, any other takeaways from the playoffs you guys have kind of observed? Um, yeah, I mean, not, not a lot. Atlanta's better than I thought they were, like you kind of said earlier. That It's a weird year. I mean, they got to play the Knicks. They got to play Doc Rivers in clutch games. So, like, are they really? They're obviously a good team. Trey is 
better than I thought uh, he was going to be, if I'm being honest. I still think it is, you know, Luca's head and shoulders above him. If fans across the board want to say that, you know, it was the most even trade in NBA history, so be it. I disagree. I will probably always disagree with that yeah. statement. Um, but yeah. I guess we're at least learning that, you know, Atlanta is a more than competent team. And I think they they really do have the chance to add a real star next to Trey, and they could be a you know contender, a real contender very soon. Yeah, yeah. To me, it comes down to if Trey Young and like, because theoretically, the Atlanta market should like be able to get a star to go there. I think. You know, and you know if Trey can be an attractive option to want to go play with, like. That, to me, is what it comes down to, because they don't have enough. Like, DeAndre Hunter is a good player. He's never going to be a second star. Cam Reddish is never going to be a second star. Bogdanovich is in his prime right now. He's never going to be a second star. You know, they have a lot of good basketball players, and I think that they will never make another East Finals unless they're able to add an actual running mate for Trey. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be super fun. Trey is super fun. Like, I really like his personality, the way he embraces being a... Yeah, he's really embraced being a villain. Yeah. Uh, folks, Alex's internet just died, um, just like the Thunder's hopes and dreams did today. Um, <laughs> but we had talked so for... long, I forgot that the lottery happened. And now you've yeah. reminded me. Thank you. Yeah, for the lottery happened and it sucked. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes the google play store or on podbean um you can follow us on twitter at p purd happily p-u-r-d underscore happily at rw maxi and at not that sam davis um give us a follow check in with us we'll be around surely you know as the draft approaches as the playoffs um start to wrap up we'll have more to talk about and we'll be talking um that's kind of about do it for us. I um, hope you guys have a better evening than the Oklahoma City Thunder did. <laughs> <laughs>